Welcome to Saga Craft. Myths, fairy tales, legends, stories comfort us, inspire us, and heal us. Please join us as we share stories, both old and new. More than anything, we are open to the story and its unfolding. At times, it may be one story told by one person. At times, it's the same story told through three different voices. In the end, we go where the story takes us, and we invite you to follow. I'm C, a writer, artist, and storyteller. I'm Betsy, a medium and teacher of mystery traditions. I'm Gabriella, an artist and practitioner of folk magic. We We are are magical magical fairy godmothers godmothers in in training. training. Our story today is about creation. I chose the story of creation as told by my people of Slavic lands. I chose a version that resonated with me. There are a few versions of the story with various gods stepping in to represent order and heavenly power. The dark god remains the same. He is called Velas, and later the devil, one who rules over the earth and the underworld. The story has changed throughout time. Its most current form, as told by old village folk, involves God and devil creating the world together. But for now, I will remember the story from a pre-Christian perspective. At the beginning, there was the earth, the mother, Matka Zemya, who was surrounded by great waters from all directions above and below. Eventually, a sky appeared and clouds. Rod, the ancestral tribal god, and Rodzenica, or the fates. The god Pyorun also appeared, the god of the sky and thunder, as did Svaruk, god of the sun and fire, known as the smith of the gods. One day, Pyorun, god of thunder and order, was sailing in a sky boat across the great waters and threw his staff down deep, where it hit the bottom and turned into a great oak, the tree of life. He took refuge at the great tree, rested there for a while and contemplated. He noticed his loneliness and grieved a little that there were no people to keep him company. He knew he needed earth for the people to live on and saw that deep under the water was the sand of creation. Pyorun looked at his reflection and saw a vision of himself, or maybe not of himself, but another. Nevertheless, he asked this other to come out of the water and take form. This was Velas, one of the great depths. Pyorun knew that he needed his help to create the world. Velas was the only one who could dive deep to retrieve pieces of this precious sand from the bottom. The sand was very deep beneath, and even with Veles' great knowledge of the dark waters, he couldn't retrieve anything for the first two tries. Before the third attempt, Pyorun and Veles spoke the appropriate magical formula, and finally, Veles came back with a fistful of sand. Pyorun threw the sand onto the water and created a small patch of land, barely big enough for him and Veles to sleep on and rest for the night. When Pyorun fell asleep, Veles tried to push him into the water. He pushed him east and west, then south and north. But during this act, Pyorun just made the land extend into the shape of a cross and created the four sacred directions. Disappointed, Veles kept on doing other things to disrupt the creation process, but in effect, more earth formed by his actions. From the sand Veles hid in his mouth, mountains grew and bogs and fields. Too big for his mouth to contain, he had to spit them out. The earth kept growing and growing, and Pyorun didn't know how to stop it. 
He began to worry that it would grow over the sky and the water too. Piorun sent a bee to spy on Veles, for he knew that the secrets of containment remained with Veles. The bee heard Veles say that in order to maintain the expansion, a mark of the cross must be made by a wand at the edges where the earth should stop. Piorun did just as the bee reported. Angry Veles cursed the bee for spying on his secrets. He said, may he who sent you to steal my secrets be forced to eat your own excrement. Hearing this, Piorun blessed the bee with creating honey. Out of the mud, Veles created a wolf, but Piorun gave the wolf breath and therefore brought him to life. From straw and mud, Veles created people, and Piorun gave them breath and life. This is why when people die, their souls go into the sky to Piorun, but their body and power are absorbed by the depths of the underworld and Veles. Many other creatures came to life by Piorun and Veles's active collaboration. When the earth was full, the two gods grew restless and realized that they cannot both rule the world they created. Piorun returns to his heavenly abode, but Veles tries to hide and remain on the earth. He hides in rocks, animals, trees, but Piorun, seeing him there, strikes down at him with a thunderbolt to make him depart and leave people alone. No matter where Veles would hide, Piorun's thunderbolt would find him, destroy his hiding place, and defeat him. The only place which was impenetrable by Piorun's lightning bolt was water. There, Veles could hide safely, and Piorun agreed that this was a fine domain for Veles. This watery domain at the roots of the world tree, Veles sits on a golden throne. This world is called Navi, and it's a place where the dead go and where snakes and birds travel for the winter. Also, it's a place where the sun goes to rest after long days of work. Piorun was able to ascend to the highest seventh heaven. There he resides in a palace made of most precious and shiny stones, stars. Once in a while, when Veles comes to the earth, Piorun lights up the sky with a thunderbolt to send him back down again. When there is drought on earth and no crops grow, people plead with Piorun to create thunder and bring the rain. They also send out homestead snakes into the field who are the messengers of Veles to ask him not to hoard the water. The forests and fields are believed as sacred places where Veles might still appear to help protect people's livestock from wild animals and to bless the abundance of their crops. Piorun is asked to bring thunder and rain to make the crops grow, while Veles is known to control the underground water currents. In collaboration, the two gods continue to create life for people on Earth, the Middle World. Thanks for reading. <laughs> yes. That was lovely. Thank you. So I have to say, I guess, that the thing that stood out for me the most is the idea that life is created through friction. When he's alone and everything's going easily, nothing's really going. You know what I mean? That there's something about ease or turning into complacency, which actually becomes stagnancy. It's that duality that I have to say, I fight against all the time. I like, I hate dichotomy and I hate the way it divides us. And simultaneously, it's the interaction that's creating all the beauty. And so I thought that was lovely. I agree. I love that too. I thought it was a lovely, a lovely creation story. And I was almost suspecting that it was moving into the direction of kind of like a succession, like there's one God and then there's another God. And so that 
dynamic tension that ended up between them was really fascinating to me. I liked it too that it, that glimpse of the magic spell that was collaborative, um, that was part of creation also. Why do you find this to be such a, a wonderful story for you? For many reasons. Um, the most important one would probably have to be the order and chaos together creating life and sustaining life. Those two opposing forces, the light and the dark, not be, be, be at a time before they were branded as good and evil, as one taking over the other, when they are equal forces. That's beautiful to me. That's powerful to me. That's liberating to me. And also, this story still exists in how people say it and how Slavic people tell it. They, they tell it now as God and the devil, but that relationship is the same. So even though new gods are, have taken over that power structure, their collaboration is still exists. So the fact that there's a story that exists about good and evil working together also makes me happy. And the magic, that there is a formula in it that in, in some, some relations of the story, the formula goes something like this. It's, you know, by your power and my, by God's power and your power. So it's calling the two names of God. But even that was not the right formula. So ultimately, we don't know what the right formula is, which I find very intriguing, mm -hmm. is that somehow even in this story, this is kept from people, that there is this piece of, you know, we're, we're told the story, but there is that one little piece that's left out because it's not for our ears to hear. I don't know. And I, and I just love how to this day that the God of the underworld, the dark God still helps people. I find that beautiful because more than Piotr, he shows up for the people on a daily basis. He's willing to take that chance. He's risking his own, he's breaking his own oath in a sense when he's being called to, to help. And I love that. It also, as you were telling the story, I was struck by how Perun went, but Velas wanted to stay in this realm, in the middle world. So that connection that he was already demonstrating uh, a desire for then went on to be a, a source of help to the people, I think is really quite beautiful. And then the other thing that I really loved was that image of Perun looking in the water and then the mirror image of Velos coming out of the water. That's a very fascinating kind of magical aspect as well. I love that too, because it's sort of, it's both identical and opposite. Right. You know, it contains both sort of the projection and exactly what is needed. I thought that was lovely. And I don't know if I tracked properly, but in my understanding as you were talking, which might be wrong, um, I, I heard that Belos, the dark god, was the one who contained the place that was the underworld and had the hibernation in it. And I thought it was such a lovely, lovely thought to me to think of, of sort of an underworld god as a place of rest and recuperation. Like, it's not necessarily an eternal thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just a moment to lay down so that you can sort of recuperate and get up again. I thought that was absolutely lovely. And I always love it about a pantheon that 
in the original pantheons, there's not that division of good and bad. There's only appropriate or inappropriate. There's a moment for the dark god, and there's a moment for the light god, and call the right one. It's not that one of them is always evil or always good. And it strikes me that there's not just the moment, but there's also the placement. There's a place where they're appropriate and a place where they're not appropriate, as well as the timing. And then what happens when they step into those inappropriate moments and what occurs and what are the outcomes that happen in perhaps multiple realities as a result of that. So perhaps it's good and evil doesn't really exist. It's directional. And in this story, the directional is truly in placement of where something is, but also, yes, as as you were saying, where it exists in time. And when two inappropriate things come together, or rather when two unlikely forces come together, is it through that surprise that new life is born? Because that's what happened here. It was new life. It was dreamed. Piotrun had this vision, and yet he somehow always knew he couldn't do it alone. So there's so much going on here in terms of what's not said, what's not seen, that is part of the story. That infers to me the idea of sacrifice, too. I always feel very heartbroken that we've moved the word sacrifice away from the word sacred because, you know, originally sacrifice was to make something sacred by giving up something else. And so there's a way that he's giving up his own ease and contentment in order to invest in a relationship that's going to turn into something that's at least got friction in it, if not wholly combative at times, in order to make something more beautiful, in order to give us life. And I love that idea. And the bee, I love the story of the bee too, or that part about the bee that, you know, a curse becomes a blessing. I'm wondering if there are other animals in this, you know, in different versions of the story that are given their gifts by this interaction. When I think about applying it to me, I immediately think about the idea of what am I willing to give up? In what ways am I willing to give up my comfort in order to do something that is more powerful or more beautiful in the world? But I also think of uh, the idea of when is it appropriate for me to rest and how do I, because I tend to overwork, how do I acknowledge in the moment that that's not a failure? It's not that I'm not living up to the light God. It's that I'm spending a little moment with the dark God because balance is good and because we need both energies. And that fascinating aspect of the light God, Harun, and his vision and his dream expanding so rapidly that it becomes an issue and a difficulty and how that can apply to us where we have a dream that we work for that can then take on a life of its own and we don't always have until we have the hindsight to see well actually how does this dream fit into the real fabric of my life and how might this dream be contained in a way that actually gives it more potency rather than just something so vast that it's spread out in a way that um, makes it lose its potency or its magic, as the case may be. I completely agree with that, the idea that I should have picked up on, and now it's just so like me not to pick up on the boundaries. Create boundaries around that, like actually know where you stop. And once again, knowing where the edge is, because that's part of it. 
when you know where you want this edge to be, that's when you do it. That's when you create that boundary. Even being able to see the edges of dreams or the edges of of something that's expanding beyond where we would even imagine. Yeah, I see the image in my mind of the light shining on the earth. And then what throws that light into high relief are the features of the landscape, the things that get created. And that's one of the things so beautiful about this story is the many kinds of roles that it plays, both the creation story. um, It also gives the reasons for a number of different things about why they are the way that they are. And it also, I think, showed some signs of being able to help humans or people on the earth to know what are proper offerings. As you were saying, what are sacrifices or what is really sacred? And also that need perhaps to learn how to collaborate even when we might think that we're right, one side or the other side might. But when those views come together, how do they interlock and and end up creating more? So it's a very rich myth very rich story for the people. Thank you. I I certainly see it that way. (laughs) And so beautiful that um, means so much power in it that it makes sense that it would survive Christianity too. That even changing little particular aspects of it, nevertheless, it's so powerful. I could see that the people that this myth was a part of their heart story would want to keep it in whatever form that they could. It's a story that keeps on going. I I can feel that for myself, how I would want to take this story into the week with me is to just let myself hold in one hand the light God and in the other hand the dark God, so to speak, and just see what what happens to let them both be here, knowing that they hold an inherent kind of balance in themselves and what it would be like for me to to experience that balance in that particular way. I like that idea. That's funny. I was just thinking as a takeaway, I thought because we did a lovely job with this and this, this was our myth of the time, um, that I wanted to actually do something to work with it this week. But that's what I'm going to do is the candles, like candles around balance. That's funny. I don't know if I'm like brave enough right off to go with light and dark. <laughs> because I'm like, ah, boundaries. <laughs> but, but I want to do two that are around balance and around bringing forth what is needed in a dichotomy. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me share the story with you. It's one of my favorites. It's really beautiful. Thank you. And special thanks to the fantastic Zoe Magic for her phenomenal editing skills.